G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. And they went into exile and they didn't become a sovereign nation again in their own right until May 14, 1948. Mm. They were always under the sovereign rule of an occupying force. They never had their own sovereignty again. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. Over the next couple of programs, we're going to look at the word Christ. Many Christians know that the word Christ means anointed. Mm-hmm. Some people think that Christ is just Jesus' surname, <laughs> which is uh, maybe not quite the case. <laughs> but it's not quite so simple as that. Uh, we're going to explore that uh, some more today on Foundations. I think for many Christians that might sound a little bit hard to believe, but there are a lot of people who actually think that Jesus is his first name and Christ is his surname. That's true, um, even even though it's it's a title and you're right, most of us would know that it actually means anointed. Um, the word Christ is um, the Greek word uh, that means Christos, and the Hebrew equivalent of that is Mashiach. And Mashiach means the anointed one or the Messiah. Mm. So that's what it means. But <clears throat> if you look at the meaning of the word culturally and how it actually played out in ancient Israel, you understand it's actually more than that. It's more encompassing than an anointed one. Um, Historically, if a person was anointed in ancient Israel, it meant that they had sacred oil poured on their heads. Now, and this was a signifying um, demonstration that God had singly pointed out or chosen this person for a particular um, function or role. Now, sometimes it would be priests. Well, any time a new priest came, yes, they had to be anointed and made holy, set apart. On rare occasions, it would be for um, a prophet. Not common, only rare occasions. But typically, when someone was anointed with oil in ancient Israel, it was that because they were a king. Mm. So you might say, okay, well, occasionally it might have been them or it might have been for them maybe once or twice. But everybody knew that if you were anointed with oil, you were being set apart as king. Mm. That happened to Saul and it happened to David. And so that is what people knew. So now we could turn around and say, okay, well, so it means that he's the anointed one. Um, He is the Messiah. And therefore, okay, he was a king. But I want to actually unpack what it meant to be a king over um, uh, this program and in the next one as well to show you how Christ is the fulfillment of this. It's really quite amazing. Now, you remember we've we've mentioned before how there was the time when uh, David, he was anointed as a king to be the next king of Israel when he was just a teenager. That's right. Yes, he was just a young guy. Yeah, he was just a you know a whippersnapper. And his older brother was saying, you little punk, what are you doing here by the <laughs> battle? Where are the sheep? You know, you, yeah. you're slacking on the job. He was just a teenager. Uh, but he had been anointed 
to be the next future king of Israel. So then when you jump forward a few years, David's hiding in the cave and King Saul comes in to relieve himself. David sneaks up, as we've read before, cuts off the hem of his garment, which is a questioning of his authority mm. and his and his his guys are saying, this is your chance. That's You've right. been anointed to be king. You've been set apart. Now's the chance. Take mm. the throne. God's delivered him into your hands. Yeah. But da- David was regretful that he'd been disrespectful, um, cutting off his robe. And he says, no. He said, and, and in David's mind, yes, I've been anointed to be the next king of Israel. But Saul was equally mm. anointed. And so it was wrong of him to try to usurp that. All, thing in, all things in God's timing. So David was very uh, conscious of that. Now, the other thing about being a king is also that it holds for us, we look at Jesus, again, there's this Greek mindset against the Hebrew mindset, which is very literal, physical, and physical, practical. The Greek mindset is that it's all spiritual, Analytical. So yes, he's a king, but he is a spiritual king, you know. And we um, forget that we're talking about a real kingdom. Now, Jesus Christ is coming back as a king, but is he coming back to a physical throne, or is it just a spiritual one? Again, we mentioned in previous programs about um, the prophecies that Jacob had for his sons. And Genesis 49, 10, he said the scepter, what was the scepter? It was the sign of authority that a king had. Mm. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, that's Israel, nor the ruler's staff, that's talking about a sovereign ruler, from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him, that is Shiloh, when Shiloh comes, the Messiah, shall be the obedience of the people. So who do a national people obey? They obey their sovereign. They obey a monarch. Mm. So it's talking about a king here. And the Jewish religious leaders at the time of Jesus' ministry, they were they were expecting Messiah to come as a king mm. to overthrow the Romans and establish a kingdom from yeah. Jerusalem that would actually be throughout the whole earth. He would finally bring peace and full redemption. They were anticipating a king. Even the disciples were, weren't they? Because they asked they him, are you going to establish your kingdom now? Is exactly. It, is it now? Yeah, are you yeah, going we're, to we're take hanging up the on throne? This yeah, they, that's exactly right. And so we're talking about a physical, literal kingdom. And the thing is, is that God promised that David's throne would be eternal. And... After Solomon, actually, if you read about Solomon, Solomon was the wisest, you know, uh, the wisest king, and he had um, an era of absolute peace. You know, Solomon never went to war during his mm. reign. It was a it was a magnificent time in Israel's history, and God promised that He promised David, and you can read it in one Chronicles seven eleven to fourteen, where He says to uh, David that I'm going to promise that there will be an eternal kingdom of which there will be no end. It will be forever and it will be from you, David, in your line. But when you look at Solomon, Solomon actually went became apostate at the end of his life. Solomon did three things that God told um, kings were not to do. And you can read about in Deuteronomy 17, 16 to 17, where God told the people, this is Moses telling the people, that when they had kings, this is what kings were not to do. They were not to acquire too much wealth for themselves, personal wealth. They were not to hoard horses 
because that was like acquiring your own private army, and they were not to acquire too many wives. Then you look at Solomon, Mm -hmm. and Solomon is known for his famed Solomon stables. He had that many horses because it was like a private army. Um, He had mega wealth. And the silly man had around a thousand wives. <laughs> what was he thinking? Yeah. You know, seven hundred wives, three hundred concubines, seven hundred wives, and most of them were foreign. Mm. And they all retained their paganness. And towards the end of his life, he actually, to appease them and keep them happy, had all these pagan, you know, shrines and temples and high places of worship established. And he even fell into it in his old age. He was mm. seduced by his wives. And that was the very thing God warned. He said, don't have too many wives, yeah. especially foreign wives. And so and you read about Solomon's life. He became apostate at the end. Now, how could somebody endowed with the kind of wisdom he had be so foolish? Mm. That kind of is hard to get your head around. But the thing is, after Solomon, his son Rehoboam took the throne. And it was during his reign very early on that the kingdom split. And the ten northern tribes, that was the kingdom of Israel. Judah was in the south. And that was basically the end of the Davidic line of kings until they went into the Babylonian exile. Because, you know, the the northern kingdom, I think they lasted around 210 years or something like that. And the southern kingdom lasted about 350 years. And they went into exile. And they didn't become a sovereign nation again in their own right until May 14, 1948. Mm. From the time of the Babylonian exile when they were turned, they were always under the sovereign rule of an occupying force. They never had their own sovereignty again until May 14, 1948. And they don't have a king. They Mm. have an elected official. So when it talks about when Shiloh comes and he's going to have this eternal rule, that's talking about... A Messiah is going to come as a physical king to rule a physical kingdom in a physical nation. That has yet to come. So we're going to learn more about this in the next program, getting a more complete understanding of what Christ means and why it is so incredibly significant. That's next time on Foundations. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.